You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi, and you're very welcome to our weekly update on Tuesday, 5th of March, 2019. I'm Gavin O'Carroll from AIB Customer Treasury Services, and Ollie Mangan, AIB's Chief Economist, joins us to discuss this week's European Central Bank meeting in Frankfurt Thursday. And then we're going to finish on risks for sterling on the timelines to Brexit. Ollie, this week we've got some economic data like the US Fed Beige Book tomorrow evening, US non farm payrolls on Friday, and these should give us a good insight into the US economy up to the end of February. Yes, indeed. Um, employment growth has been very strong in recent months uh, in the US right through the winter, so we had very strong figures in January. Now, there is an expectation that data will soften somewhat for various reasons. Um, we've always had very poor weather in the States, uh, the federal government shut down, etc. So I think what we're going to see in the data is the US economy lose a bit of pace. That's generally widely expected. Uh, and as a result, we've seen the Fed take to the sidelines in terms of uh, the future direction of interest rates. So you know, this, this will be no surprise to anybody if we get... We'll st- they'll still be solid, but they won't be as strong as we've seen in recent months in terms of the job gains. Uh, we also got to look at is the pickup in wage growth still there. But I think really the Fed's off the pitch for the next three to six months. It wants to have a good look at the data for the first half of the year. We know we're going to get some soft data in the next couple of months. The manufacturing sector is pretty weak in the, in the U.S., but the Fed is waiting. It's, it's increased rates. It's got them to a neutral level. And now it is in wait-and-see mode. So I don't think we're going to see any movement in U.S. rates uh, until well into the summer. So, you know, notwithstanding that, you know, the market, the dollar, equity markets will still be looking at these data very closely. The Fed Beige Book is, again, right up to date. It's a survey by the various regional Feds in terms of how the economy is performing. And obviously, payrolls are critical data every month in terms of how the, how the U.S. economy is doing. And also, what markets are focused on is, is that pickup in wage inflation continuing? Because that would, that's something that has been worrying the Fed in terms of, if there's pickup in wage inflation, it might through, feed through in terms of general inflation and force the Fed to increase rates eventually. Um, so we'll be watching those As data. We regularly say on these uh, weekly updates, we love up-to-date economic data, bang up-to-date figures, and, and that's an important point. Uh, okay, moving on to the main event in Frankfurt in Germany on Thursday. So ECB meeting, and just in discussing this before we, we recorded this, we were talking about the three key bits that we want to see out of this. And firstly, we're talking about the quarterly forecast that comes out every three months, and what's your expectation on the growth forecasts? Yeah, I mean, this is an important ECB meeting. Uh, firstly, we only get forecasts, new forecasts from the ECB once every three months, and we're getting those on Thursday. And uh, the ECB will be making significant downward adjustments to its growth forecast for 2019. I mean, that's taken as given because the data have been much softer than expected over the last three months since we got the last set of forecasts, which were actually before Christmas. So the ECB has been expecting growth of 1.7, 1.8%. That's likely to be cut back to 1.2, 1.3%. And even that requires a strengthening of activity over the course of this year. So the ECB at the last uh, meeting and subsequent press conference indicated that the risks uh, to its forecasts and to the economy had shifted to the downside. And we expect that to manifest when it publishes these new forecasts on Thursday. Okay, so Mario Draghi may also 
look to extend the rate guidance. Yep, I mean, uh, on the back of that, the ECB has been guiding really for the last six to nine months. The rates in the Eurozone will remain unchanged at least through the end of summer 2019. Now, we're here in March and we're looking out next August, September, and really we don't see the basis for the ECB increasing rates. So it'll be no surprise to the markets if that forward guidance in terms of rates remain unchanged was extended for the full year, i.e. to the end of the year. Uh, So once again, rates staying lower for longer. Uh, We have very subdued inflationary pressures in the Eurozone. Headline inflation has fallen back uh, as a result of the decline in oil prices in the closing months of last year. And the core inflation rate, which excludes energy and uh, fresh foods, has really been stuck at 1.1%. It really should be up at 2%. Uh, So the combination of a very subdued uh, inflationary picture and an economy that's lost a lot of momentum uh, you know, is leading the markets to expect that we won't get any rate increase this year from um, the ECB. And in fact, markets have even scaled back the extent of tighten they're expecting in 2020 and 2021. So it would be no surprise uh, if Mr Draghi moved um, to extend that forward guidance to the end of the year in terms of the intention of the ECB keeping rates at their current levels. I'm smiling, Ollie, because when I actually started my currency the dealing career back in the late 1990s currency markets were always expecting that interest rates and central banks the surprise element was there now we have forward guidance here in 2019 looking so far ahead and it proves how benign the interest rate environment really is yeah yeah well the purpose of forward guidance is not to so much impact short term rates the 3 month rate it really you know the key rates for a lot of euros on economies are long term rates your 10 year bond yield and mm. what have you And what the ECB is trying to achieve is that those rates remain low, that they're not driven higher by expectations that the ECB may raise interest rates, which is is no intention of doing. So they want to anchor long-term rates at low levels as well. And forward guidance is a great mechanism for doing that. Keep the curve flat. Yes. Okay. The third big discussion point from the ECB meeting this week and the potential for this third round of liquidity operations, otherwise known as the TL. TRO. Yeah, targeted, targeted long-term repo operations. It really is a means of providing um, cheap finance to banks for long periods of time. The current program started in 2016. Uh, it ends in 2020. Uh, and I don't think an announcement in terms of new terms or an extension is expected on Thursday. But the ECB may well indicate that come June, uh, which will be a, a year away from when the current round starts to mature, that they'll consider extending that program. They won't provide the details, but they will say, you know, given the ongoing um, subdued inflation environment, given the weak uh, economic activity we're seeing in the Eurozone, that we need to maintain these very generous liquidity operations in place and we'll have a third round. So they may indicate on Thursday that they will look at that and work on that over the next couple of months and then come with the actual details of a third programme at its June meeting. So the rate announcement, 12.45, no change there. Yeah. Press conference uh, starts 1.30. Um, worth keeping a very close eye on that for those reasons. Okay, let's move along now to the timelines. Let's go Brexit. From now to next Tuesday, 12th of March, and then beyond. If we look down through the expectation that the vote is to take place up to the 12th of March, and, and all the indications are it's probably yeah, it's, It looks like it'll be next week. I mean, there's no indications that we're on the verge of agreeing some changes or alternative wording or an addendum to the withdrawal agreement. 
Uh, and I think most likely uh, Theresa May has indicated a timeline, uh, which will probably, you know, we'll work through that next week. Starting, as you say, on next Tuesday with a vote on whether, again, on whether the Parliament, UK Parliament, would vote to accept the withdrawal agreement or not. There are ex- There is expected to be some form of legal addendum to the withdrawal agreement, which will make it clear that the so-called Northern Ireland backstop is intended to be temporary. And uh, there's no doubt that there have been uh, different soundings coming from the hard Brexiteers uh, within the Tory party uh, that, they may, that that may be sufficient for them to back uh, the withdrawal agreement. I think they're beginning to realise that if the withdrawal agreement, the, the withdrawal agreement is their best opportunity to ensure the UK leaves the EU mm. uh, on time at the end of March or shortly afterwards. They're now fearing that if, if that withdrawal agreement isn't passed, well, then this, we have two subsequent votes on the two following days. One is um, the following day, whether the House supports a no-deal hard Brexit. That's March 13th. Yeah, that'll be voted down. And then on the 14th, it will vote in favour to avoid a hard Brexit that they would seek uh, an extension to Article 50 to delay Brexit, possibly for two to three months. So the numbers aren't there to force through a hard Brexit. Uh, and from a hard Brexit here's point of view, uh, if you want to ensure that the UK leaves the EU, uh, really the withdrawal agreement is the only show in town for you. Uh, and there are indications that they may come on board, particularly, as I say, if uh, clarity or some form of clarification is put around the uh, so-called Northern Ireland backstop to indicate that it's intended to be temporary in nature. The UK Attorney General was over in Brussels and he was one of the people that originally raised the red flag about the issue of the backstop in the first time. Correct, uh, Sir Geoffrey Cox said. He's yeah. seen as a key figure in this regard. So the fact that the Attorney General is deeply involved would indicate to you this is around legal language, a legal amendment, which would give assurance uh, to the House of Parliament that this is intended to be a temporary arrangement. Uh, a lot of people are f- fearful in the UK that this would lock them into a permanent customs union. So they are trying to avoid that. So uh, it'll be a big week next week. Uh, and we can see that sterling has moved a lot uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, and strengthened uh, on the expectation that a hard Brexit by end March is, is, is going to be taken off the table next week. I think the politicians, like certainly it looks like when you're reading the markets daily, they have softened their opposition to her deal. And really her focus does seem to be getting more Labour MPs on side. And one Labour MP there was at Caroline Flint over the weekend. She suggested May is knocking in an open door, potentially for Labour votes. And then the Sunday Times reported Brexit hardliners handed uh, May a new list of the demands for the revised deals. But the key thing is it looks a lot easier to achieve than the previous. Yeah, there may still be some Conservative MPs who would be very reluctant to back this withdrawal agreement. But there are indications that you know there's a good number of Labour MPs who come from constituencies that voted to to leave, and that they may support the revised deal. So that they may well it may require cross party support here for this to get through, uh, and that may be forthcoming. So uh, now it's still you know quite uncertain, uh, but we now have another backstop, which is. If the deal doesn't get through, the House of Parliament is likely to vote to delay Brexit. And this is the other side of it? Yes. So uh, I'm a bit concerned, though, in terms of the outlook for Sterling here. It has rallied well, and we said that we'd rally as expectations grew, that we would, that we'd have a soft Brexit. But it's hard to see it making much further ground from here. And, um, you know, we have two circumstances which can arise. The withdrawal agreement is passed. Now, there may be a short technical delay to, to, to allow the naval legislation 
to pass with the House of Commons. It's hard to see that being done in two weeks. So the UK may leave, let's say, at the end of April or after Easter. We're talking about a very short time delay there. Do you mind if I just come in for a second there? So we we're talking about if the deal is accepted, for yes. argument's sake, the orderly exists, then they need enabling legislation. You've mentioned this a number of times before. And then the final deal probably will be signed off at the March 21st, 22nd, Thursday, Friday summit in the EU. But your point is that you probably can't make the 29th of March deadline with all that enabling legislation. Yes, so that's just to highlight that. Now, that's only a technical delay, and I wouldn't worry about that. The, there'd be no problem granting that extension to the, uh, to the UK. What people need to think about, though, is what happens in the subsequent two years. We're going to have very difficult trade negotiations. And we won't really know what shape Brexit takes until maybe the end of uh, 2020. So that presents downside risks for sterling. And the second downside risk for sterling is in terms of the extension, right? If there is an extension because they can't pass the withdrawal agreement and the House votes for that, and it's to the end of June, Theresa May has already indicated they won't be participating in the European elections in May. So that means they're definitely gone next time. And Ken Clark has made this point, you know, that we, we've, we've moved the cliff edge out and this time we won't have a parachute. So again, from Sterling's point of view, uh, you know, the UK could be making a very difficult decision come June if they vote for an extension to Article 50, which is, uh, do we take this deal or are we, are, are we crashing out without a deal? I mean, it'll be very hard for them to get a further extension if they don't participate in those European elections. And that again presents a downside risk for Sterling. Ollie, you've penned an article in the Irish Examiner on that subject today. Well worth uh, reading for our listeners and customers. Just the last thing I wanted to talk about, sterling. May 17 is the last time we were at these levels in euro sterling. It's about a 22-month low. And obviously the key impact here is that if they do push forward the actual temporary extension to end of June and that becomes a hard edge, there are risks to sterling then going forward. Oh yeah, sterling could easily go back to 1991p that we saw earlier on the year. Uh, so, you know... I said, Sterling has rallied in recent weeks, uh, and just don't take it uh, that if we get an extension or we get a withdrawal agreement uh, passed with the House of Commons, that Sterling's on a one-way bet here. I mean, there are risks for Sterling going forward. Uh, once the withdrawal agreement is finalised, the UK leaves the EU, and also in terms of if there's an extension. Ali, thank you. Thursday. Big meeting from the ECB this week. Next week, obviously, a huge week in the UK. Thank you for listening to our weekly updates. And you can subscribe to AB's Market Talk on SoundCloud or the podcast apps for iOS or Android. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.